Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. From 1945 to 1962, the United States conducted nuclear testing in southern Nevada and nuclear mining in northern Arizona. The government failed to warn people in the area, though, that radiation hazards may cause many of them to develop various forms of cancer. Then, in 1990, Congress passed the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act. It essentially gave compensation from the federal government to individuals who contracted illnesses in the aftermath of this testing. The program was later expanded in 2000 but its eligibility is set to close in 2022. In today's episode, we'll break down the recent movement on a bill by Arizona Congressman Greg Stanton to include all of Mojave County and Nevada's Clark County in the federal fund. Congress is taking a new look at providing compensation to more people. In today's episode, we're first hearing from Mojave County Supervisor Jean Bishop. She grew up in the area affected in the aftermath of the nuclear testing. She's giving us an emotional firsthand account of her childhood. Then we'll hear from Greg Stanton about how this bill could impact those who live in the affected areas. Thanks so much for joining us, Supervisor Bishop. You're welcome. Nice to be here this morning. You offered a powerful account to Congress of how your family has been affected by this downwinder issue. Can you tell our listeners a bit about how your family has been affected and how many have had cancer and how many have have come down with this just terrible, terrible disease? Well, you know, as as I told Congress, I was born in Las Vegas, Nevada. We lived in a little community called Pittman, which is now Henderson, Nevada. And uh, and my mother uh, told stories. Of course, I don't remember um, the effects or, or what went on because I was an infant. But she said that uh, they, they would get excited when they knew the tests were going to be held. And uh, she and all the, the children, I had uh, five older siblings, We'd all gather on the front porch and she'd hold me in her arms and we would watch the big mushroom cloud. And it was just kind of entertainment, you know, with with that many kids, they didn't have a lot of money to uh, to spend on entertainment. So that was that was really appreciated. And and apparently uh, we all had fun watching it. So uh, one one thing that I didn't tell Congress that uh, that I thought about afterwards was uh, my dad had a business in Henderson and uh, it was a, a, a car, a used car business. And he would sell used cars to the military. And it was, you know, he thought he had quite the deal because they would uh, purchase vehicles from him and then they would do testing on them they'd bomb them or whatever they did on, on the, on the range. And then they would return them and give them back to him for free. And, and then the older kids would go out and uh, and play in these vehicles because you know of course they they were they were destroyed but they made good playhouses so uh, so my my siblings uh, were probably exposed even even more because of the return of those uh, 
vehicles that the military bought from my father. So, so I guess to, to continue, you ask how this has affected my family. And, uh, and when, when I was just a, a teenager, we, uh, the family suffered our, our first death related to cancer. And that was my oldest sister. Her name was Judy. And uh, uh, she was diagnosed with brain cancer and, uh, and she died at the age of 26. And, and then uh, time progressed and a lot of our friends and neighbors in, in Kingman were, were getting cancer. And, and, um, and back then we didn't have a lot of doctors. I think Dr. Arnold was the, uh, the main county doctor and uh, his grandson uh, was was quoted in your article, I think, about his uh, his father being the county doctor, but it was actually his grandfather. But he was well known and respected. But but uh, Matt said that growing up around his grandfather, it just seemed to be normal for people to get cancer and die. You know, we we thought that was normal because um, we didn't have any information about how other counties were affected by this. In fact, we didn't even know. Uh, that the radiation at that time was was affecting and, and hurting our families. And and so uh, we, we discovered this years later when, when more people, as they aged, they started developing more and more cancers. In fact, I was diagnosed in 2013 with uh, breast cancer. And while I was going through my treatment, my sister, who's two years older, I um, I received a phone call from her and she says, um, she wanted to know all about the cancer and the situation that I was going through because she was just diagnosed with the same type of cancer. And uh, she was a couple years older than me. Of course, her cancer was a little bit more advanced. And uh, But uh, she survived. We're both cancer survivors. But but the, the torment and the, the cost to our personal lives and, and our families that uh, that were there during, during the treatments and everything was just... Uh, it was just very challenging. And then uh, my husband, his family, uh, his sister has identified 32 family members that um, have died from, from cancer over the last years. And, and they, as children, lived on a cattle ranch outside of Kingman. And uh, my husband said that, you know, he was, as a young man, he worked with the cowboys and they would go out on the range and then they'd, they'd ride up on, on the ridge so they could watch the clouds mushroom up from the Las Vegas area. And then she, he said, he said it was kind of pretty actually. Sometimes it was, it was gray and other times it was colorful, but the military um, had provided them with badges to wear um, radiation counters, I, I believe is what it was. And, and they all wore these, um, these, uh, these badges, knowing that, that the government, it was helping the government, it was the uh, Cold War era, and, and everybody was doing their part to, to make America safe. So uh, the government did come back, he, he tells me, and collected all of the, the badges, but he never, never heard back what the results of the testing was. And at that time, I don't think he even realized what they were testing for. It was just you know, the government asked to uh, to do this for him, and, and you know, it's, wasn't wasn't difficult to 
to clip on a badge and, and wear it during your work day. So, but um, he uh, he developed prostate and bladder cancer, and he had uh, radical surgery and um, radiation and, and chemo and everything. And he he survived. He was he was a survivor. But but you know the um, the medical bills that mount up for these various cancers if if you don't have um, medical insurance, it's it can ruin can ruin a family financially. And if you do have insurance, of course, twenty percent of what it costs to go through surgery and chemo and and uh, and uh, everything that goes with cancer, twenty percent is enough to ruin a family as well. So um, a lot of people that that would have uh, been successful in their lives were suddenly caught off guard by these medical issues and uh, suffered tremendously mentally, physically, and financially. Jean, how did you, when did you learn about the downwinder issue and the nuclear radiation uh, as a health hazard aspect of this? Were you a teenager? Were you uh, much older as an adult, when did it start to dawn on you that you had been exposed to something that was very dangerous? I learned about this from my husband's sister, Denise Stevens. And she's uh, one of the organizers of the Mojave Downwinders Association. And, and uh, research had been done by this organization. And they, at that time, probably 20 years ago, uh, were fighting, trying to get our legislators to listen to them and and to include Mojave County in the um, the RECA Act so that so that our, our residents here could could be compensated for some of these medical bills. So that's when I learned about it was when I married my my husband and that was probably 20, 23, 24 years ago. And uh, speaking of Danielle, my sister in law, she is currently uh, has colon cancer stage four gone through chemo and I don't suspect that uh, that she will survive. Um, I hope she does, but you know stage four colon cancer is, is about as serious as you can get. We're so sorry to to hear that. Congress is ex- is considering expanding um, eligibility for for this compensation program. What would it mean for people? If Congress decides to not expand it, well, it would it'd kind of be a slap in the face. I mean, people that live downwind, even further away from Mojave County, are being compensated. Uh, and you know, it's—I don't know that it's so much the money, which certainly will help, but I, I think it's the fact that that we want the government to to say, you know, we we made a mistake. You paid the price, and we want to acknowledge and thank you for your service to your country, even though it it's a, a matter of life and death at sometimes. But you know, you know, it's, it's like the downwinders served in the military in an odd sort of way. Uh, so yeah, we just want acknowledgement from from the government. They, they harm people. Um, the medical bills are atrocious and $50,000 is really not enough to compensate people, but it's, it's something in a family from, from going bankrupt. 
Well, very good. Uh, Gene, that's really all the questions we had for you. Thank you for talking about this. Uh, I'm sorry for your personal experience on it, but uh, thank you for sharing it. Joining us now is Democratic Representative Greg Stanton. He introduced a bill to fully include residents of Mojave County and Clark County, Nevada, in a federal fund to compensate those with cancer connected to nuclear testing. It's an old issue that's getting new attention in the House Judiciary Committee. He's here to talk to us about the so-called downwinders issue. Congressman, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. So a lot of people don't know about the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act, or RECA. Can you sort of give us a sense of the ins and outs of the program and how much people could receive um, and who could be eligible if this thing is expanded? Between 1945 and 1962, the United States government conducted hundreds of nuclear tests in uh, Nevada, and 100 of them were above-ground tests uh, that tragically and sadly, they did not tell the people who lived in the area or downwind from the area the health impacts of the radiation exposure. And so thousands and thousands of people were um, subject to radiation exposure over and over and over again as a a result of this test. In 1990, they set up the the RECA, the, the Radiation Compensation Fund, because so many people had unfortunately gotten cancer. Many family members died as a result of that, people that lived in the area. And so we did set up this fund. People could receive $50,000 if you were in the exposure, if you lived in the exposure area and you unfortunately suffered from certain types of cancer. So that's the current program. What I'm, and this program is about to run out in in one more year. That's one of the reasons why we are working so hard to support the so-called downwinders right now. But for reasons that we don't fully understand, uh, many people in Mojave County that did live in the area that were exposed hundreds of times to this radiation were left out of eligibility for this fund. So we are fighting for the people of Mojave County to make sure that people that suffered from cancer, family members that suffered from cancer have access to this fund. In addition, by the way, we're supporting the people of Clark County because there were portions of Clark County in Nevada that were also shut out of this um, uh, of this fund. And so the reason we're working so hard on it is because, number one, it's the right thing to do. Number two, time is running out. And number three, I serve on the Judiciary Committee. And so on that, in that capacity, I'm going to fight for the people of Arizona. And this is one way to do so. You know, you referenced that you're on the Judiciary Committee and, and Arizona more broadly, but this is this is an issue that's um, you've taken an interest in this issue, but it's not really in your district. Why have you inserted yourself so much in on this issue? Well, Ron, you, you, you cover the Arizona delegation. So, you know, I serve on Transportation Infrastructure Committee. I serve on the Judiciary Committee. In both of those instances, I take a statewide approach to my work, not just a District 9 approach. It's the reason why I fight so hard in transportation infrastructure to make sure, for example, our tribal communities get their fair share, particularly as we're going to be doing a very large infrastructure package over the next few months. There are transportation infrastructure needs across the state. Same thing with regard to my work on Judiciary Committee. As you know, it didn't get very much coverage, unfortunately, but last year, we successfully passed a bill in a bipartisan way on access to courts to make sure that people in Flagstaff and in Yuma would have better access to 
federal courts to make their lives easier so they didn't have to come all the way to Phoenix to access the federal uh, court system. I did that because it was the right thing to do. It's one of the reasons why I'm trying to increase the number of federal judgeships all across Arizona. Arizona has grown so quickly, we haven't kept up. It's because I want to take care of the people as much as possible from all across Arizona. And the reason why I'm working on this issue with regard to the expansion of RICA and the reauthorization of RICA is because it's the right thing to do. It's an issue of justice for these people that have been victimized by the federal government and deserve it. Two, time is running out. So if I don't take the lead on this, I'm in the majority. I'm on the right committee of, of jurisdiction. If I don't take the lead, no one's going to take the lead. So I'm going to push hard and take uh, 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 take the lead on it. And uh, number three, I'm, in, I'm lucky enough to be in the kind of the the right place at the right time to, to, to get it done. I've worked very hard to make the case with the rest of the, the committee. As you know, we've had other Arizonans on, on this committee uh, that haven't pushed as hard as I'm pushing on this issue, but I'm gonna do it because it's the right thing to do for the people of Arizona. And whether it's in my district or anybody else's district, if it's the right thing to do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push hard on it. So this is the first time in two decades that the House has held a hearing to consider modifying this RICA fund. It seems to have bipartisan interest. Why has this taken so long from your vantage point? And then secondly, and this is something I've wondered for years now, who are the the interests, the special interests that are trying to prevent this from happening? Uh, I can't. I can't speak to what happened before I got to Congress. So I'm now in my second term in Congress. I've been lucky enough to serve on the Judiciary Committee in both of my terms in Congress. And really what I'm comfortable talking about is what I've done. Uh, and when I was learned about this issue, learned that I was in a unique position to really take the lead on it and push hard on it. Uh, and that's an issue of justice for the uh, for these people. It's it's horrible what happened. I mean, literally the stories we, we found families um, that 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 were able to come and testify at that hearing, the first hearing in, in 20 years you mentioned. We had families that came and said it was normal for them. They thought everyone got cancer in their 30s and 40s. They had dozens of members of their families that died as a result of this radiation exposure. You can't help when you hear these stories but say, we've got to we've got to take action. In part, it's because the RECA fund is about to end. It, it, it's, it's subject to close in uh, 2020, uh, 2022. But I just think it's, you know, I'm... Really, I probably the, the member that has shown the most passion and interest in actually moving the ball forward to get justice for these uh, uh, for these people. So I can't speak to what happened before I got there uh, with regard to the committee, with regard to um, other Arizona members that have served in the committee. I can only tell you what I have done. And I have made this a very high priority because, again, I believe in this issue. It's the right thing to do. It's a matter of justice. Um, several Republicans made clear at the recent hearing that they certainly are sympathetic on this issue, um, and others have co-sponsored similar legislation uh, in the past. Do you have any kind of sense what the bill, your bill's prospect is in this Congress at, at this point? Uh, you know, given the uh, the political realities you're, you're operating in. Well, the political reality is that uh, I'm lucky enough to be on the key committee of jurisdiction. I'm fortunate to serve in the majority. It's a very slim majority, but I am in, in the uh, uh, in the majority. And I feel really strongly that we've got a really good chance of getting this bill through and doing justice for the people of lower Mojave County that have been victimized. Uh, sadly, they've lost family members or they themselves uh, have suffered from the cancer as a result of this terrible radiation uh, exposure, that we've got a really good chance of uh, of getting this bill through. Mark Kelly did submit a 
a statement in support of the downwinders in uh, in Mojave County. Uh, and so I believe that we are going to get this bill through the House, and uh, I think you're going to see a really good chance of getting this through the, the Senate. Look, at, w- once you hear these stories, once you, know, when, when, once you get these people in front of members of Congress in a bipartisan way, um, the, Jean Bishop, uh, the Mojave County Supervisor, did such an outstanding job talking about her own family and this, the devastation that this has taken on her uh, family. These, these people did such a wonderful job that I think now that the story is out there in a much more visible way, uh, it, as it hasn't been in a long period of time, I think we've got a really good chance of getting this bill through. Do you have a sense as to how many families or individuals could be affected by an expanded eligibility pool? Uh, there are approximately 100,000 people that um, lived in the exposure area um, that currently aren't covered by the existing radiation compensation fund that would be under this bill. So 100,000 families that sadly and tragically were subject to this radiation exposure. Uh, that's not, by the way, that's not just the fact that they live there isn't enough. You have to live there and sadly and tragically have gotten uh, certain types of, uh, of cancer. But it's about 100,000 families that would potentially be, uh, be eligible. So you worked with Republican Congressman Paul Gosar on a similar bill in the last Congress. He has a separate bill like yours pending now. Can you give us a sense as to why you two aren't working on this issue together at this moment? Well, first of all, I, I think the bill he's pushing is probably not going to go anywhere in light of the reality of, of where, where we are politically in, uh, in Congress. I'm in the majority. I'm fortunate to be in the majority. I'm on the committee of jurisdiction. I'm pushing it. And so the bill that I'm supporting uh, is the is the vehicle to move forward to provide justice for uh, the, the people. But 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 uh, you know I know what you're getting at. And obviously this is the issue of uh, what the, how the events of January 6 and the insurrection and uh, certain Congress members' involvement in that insurrection has affected the politics uh, of it. And the reality is is that I want to get things done. Uh, that is what I did as mayor of the city of Phoenix. I worked with whoever I needed to work with to actually get things done. And as a member of Congress, I have to analyze the playing field and figure out where is my best opportunity to get a bill uh, through. And obviously, the path that I've chosen is the path that I believe strategically is the best path to provide justice for the people of Lower Mojave County that have suffered from this horrific cancer as a result of radiation exposure. My job, my job is to take that path that is most likely going to lead to success for these families. And that's the path that I've, uh, I've chosen. Well, very good. Congressman, thank you so much for your time, and we will let you go. Thank you so much. Have a great one. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. Ron, you listened to this hearing. This has been a topic that has been on your radar for a number of years now. Will Republicans get on board with Greg Stanton's legislation? I mean, this obviously is not their bill. This has been an issue that's been on their radar. I mean, what's a what's the prospects for a bill like this? Yeah, I think that's the great suspense right now. The fact that the House even took this up. It's the first time they've done so in 20 years. So it seems that there is an appetite. There was also bipartisan interest in this and empathy on this cause. So this is not especially seen as partisan in terms of whether or not this kind of program should be expanded. But it's also coming after January 6th and the riot at the U.S. Capitol 
And since then, as, as we documented a few weeks earlier, the delegation is really kind of split along partisan lines of, in terms of the way that they want to approach certain issues. This is a bill that most directly if affects Representative Paul Gosar's district. He represents Mojave County. He has introduced similar bills to this for a number of years, including this year. He has a similar bill pending alongside Greg Stanton's. The question is whether he will be willing to vote yes on a bill that is essentially being carried by Democrats. And there's just this sort of hangover from January 6th. So Given the House's history on this, I would expect that Nancy Pelosi will be able to muster uh, the votes it needs to pass the House if they move it that far. Yvonne, the question for you is what happens if and when it gets to the Senate? Look, this is an issue that our senior senator, Kirsten Sinema, has worked on in years past alongside uh, Congressman Gosar uh, and others. We also know that Senator uh, Mark Kelly, a Democrat who's new to the Senate, has um, already lent his support of this issue um, alongside former Senator uh, Orrin Hatch, a Republican. Um, so there does seem to be some bipartisan support for this issue. This is an issue that seems to have it all, right? Clear victims, clear villains, um, a, a, a need for justice for, for, for some of these families, um, like Jean Bishop and, and others. Um, and given so much of an emphasis on, um, healthcare and the consequences of, um, some of this testing on, on the health of individuals like Jean Bishop, I mean, I, I definitely would be surprised if our senators were not on board and we're not trying to seek, um, common ground or seek support from their uh, Republican friends. And as we know, um, in the Senate, um, we need 60 votes, right, to move legislation. I On an issue like this, I find it hard to believe that they couldn't find it, but that's me. Ron, Representative Stanton seems to be pretty confident that this bill will pass. Do you have any sense as to whether or not it will in the House? And could it pass this, this uh, committee? Yeah, I think that there's a sense to the fact that they've even moved forward with it to this point that they they sense the uh, the deadline on this issue is is approaching them. It must be done in this Congress if they are going to meet the statutory deadline. So I think there's a sense of urgency. I you know truly I don't understand why this issue has lingered this long, this unresolved. Um, but you know, nothing moves Congress like a deadline. So, uh, they are, uh, up against it. I think they know they have to move on this. And again, there, there is that bipartisan appeal. If you look on the judiciary committee, Andy Biggs, a Republican in Arizona is also part of that committee. That's another early sign. If, and when this bill is taken up in the judiciary committee, if Andy Biggs is signing on to, uh, moving forward with that bill, it would suggest that its prospects would be pretty good. And ultimately, again, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has been pretty good at, at engineering victories right now with only Democratic support. This is one of those issues that would probably seem destined to have bipartisan support if and when they get that far. All right. Well, of course, we will be following your reporting on it as it moves its way through the House. That is it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. 
If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Katie's leaving the gaggle after this week to return home to Chicago. We'll be listening to her work at station WBEZ Chicago. We'll also be couch surfing when we think it's safe to travel, maybe sometime this summer. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.